Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice this very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God knows, shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous but before God, but the doers of the law who, who will be justified. Romans 2. wanted to give you the whole passage there in case some of you forgot what we learned on the third Sunday of November. But of course, I'm talking to an above average congregation, not, not that you would need such things. But remember Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 started with a greeting that took the first six verses. Then he started talking about the theme of the book of Romans in verse 7 of chapter 1, going down to verse 17. Then in verse 18 of chapter 1, he began his talk in the gospel message. And he began with condemnation. Condemnation. And he will continue condemnation in the rest of chapter 1, chapter 2, and half the chapter 3. But we are right in the middle of condemnation. Right in the middle of talking about God's wrath. Right in the middle of getting to understand why you need a Savior. He began talking about Gentiles. He began talking about wicked sinners who openly sin outwardly. Everybody in town knows they're a wicked sinner because it's obvious they outwardly show it in their actions. Then in chapter 2, he went to a different group of people that sin just the same, but they sin morally. They sin morally. In other words, they seem to make a big deal about their moral standards that they have that the wicked sinners don't have, and they judge the wicked sinners because of their sin and put themselves up and put them down. And Paul, in the first uh, 
uh, well, everything we read there, from verse 1 of chapter 2 all the way down to, well, we'll keep on going. The whole chapter deals with how these moral sinners are sinners just the same as the wicked sinners. Now, you all know that because you were here in November, right? Okay. <sighs> Today, we're starting our 19th sermon on the book of Romans. We are talking about Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. We're not going to get through all 16, but we'll get 12 and 13, hopefully. Being the optimistic person that I am. We'll talk about 12 and 13, and we'll talk about there's no distinction between sinners. You sin once, you qualify as a sinner. You do it publicly and openly, we'll call you a wicked sinner. If you do it privately and in your heart, we'll call you a moral sinner. But a sinner nonetheless. The wicked sinner and the moral sinner both will be judged by a holy and righteous God, whose wrath will be displayed. Chapter 2 is dealing with the basis for judgment, not the basis for salvation. The basis for judgment. The moral person judges himself and others and declares who is good or not. And we know that's not how a saved person judges himself. So, verse 12. You ready? Here we go. You ready? Here we go. You're so happy to get back to Romans, I can tell. Here we go. Romans chapter 2, verse 12. This is a great verse that helps you when you're witnessing to somebody and they talk about the guy in Bully Bully Land. What about him? who's never heard the gospel. Here it comes, verse 12. For all who have sinned, all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. Therefore, the guy in Bully Bully land who's never heard the gospel, he's been given creation and his conscience. And he will be judged based upon his sins. And all those who've sinned under the law will be judged by the law. The people that were given the law were the Jewish people who, because of having the law, thought themselves better, thought themselves saved, thought themselves, may I say, Christian. And they thought because of what they have, that they would be saved and blessed by God. But if you sin, having the law, you're a sinner. And if you're not forgiven of those sins, you will be judged on those sins. And the wrath of God will come to both of you, the person without the law and the person with the law. By the way, that's a good transition. 
when you're sharing with somebody and they talk about the guy in Bully Bully Land. You get them right back to their situation. Now, how will God judge people who have never read the Bible? How will God judge people who have never read the Bible? They've never seen a Bible. They've never read a Bible. Let's say they don't have a Bible in their lives. By the way, it's getting to be more and more like that in America. A lot of people now... (sighs) Okay, I blame the hippie movement too much. But with the hippie movement in the 60s, they went away from God and they started raising kids. And they tried to raise kids according to the hippie movement. And those kids now are parents. And they're raising kids. So they have no clue of Scripture. And they have no clue of connecting Scripture to their lives. So now what we have is a bunch of people who don't know God trying to raise kids and they're having a hard time doing it. You can tell by the raised in homicide of children killing other children. It's going through the roof. Anyway, how will God judge people who've never read the Bible? Answer number one. Judgment will be based upon the amount of God's revelation and God's wrath. The amount of God's revelation and the amount of God's wrath. God's revelation to a person who's never read a Bible is seen in creation. Chapter 1 talked about how if you have just creation, you should realize there's a creator. If you have a creation... And a God who's created you, He's given you a conscience. From that very own conscience, you know what is right and wrong. And from that, you would, should know what is sin. And the problem is, without the Bible, with your conscience, and with creation, you still have a sin nature. And guess what a person without the Bible will do naturally? Sin. Sin. So, he will stand before a holy God, and he will be judged based upon his revelation that God has revealed to him, and he will be judged based upon God's wrath who hates sin. And, at the very least, he will spend eternity in a place called the lake of fire, Enduring torment. Now, I want you to look at verse 9 in chapter 2. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil. There will be tribulation and distress. Of the Jew first and also the Greek. But the glory and honor and peace to God who does good. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 11. For there is no partiality with God. If you sin, you will be judged for that sin. For all have sinned. Both groups, no matter what you're in, 
you'll be judged based upon your sinfulness. Without the law, you will perish. You will perish. Perish is a very interesting thing. It is talking about the judgment that comes to you, basically that will ruin you because you're no longer usable for what you're intended to be created for. In other words, you will go to the lake of fire. It's the same term that Jesus used talking about going to hell. It will be the place where you're inflicted with God's wrath. And it will come out. And it will be demonstrated. And the law here, without the law, is an interesting word. It's a compound word. It it means anti-law or going opposite of the law. If you don't have anything to do with the law, you will not be judged on the law because you were never given the law. You will be judged for your sin. And you will come down crumbling. At... uh, Wrong one. At uh, Stanford University, they had an arch. Now, I've never seen it, so I'm imagining that it's something like the arch in St. Louis, but not as big, okay? They had an arch, and it was built, big deal. They had it. It was wonderful. Everybody loved it until there was an earthquake, okay? Now, in California, when you make anything, you plan for an earthquake, because earthquakes happen. So, earthquake happened. Guess what happened to the arch on the campus of Stanford? It came down. They didn't realize what had happened until it came down. And they found out the foundation that was built upon was a bunch of rubble and refuge. It was a bad foundation. And it came down and came down and came down. If you do not have the law, you will be basing your life upon your wickedness. You will sin. You will sin and you will sin some more and you will continue to sin because you don't know the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You will continue to sin. And when you sin, your foundation is weak. And the first judgment that comes, you will be found short and needy. There will be no firm foundation for you, and you will fall. So, if you have never heard of the law, your future is in need of hearing the gospel, or you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? Okay, here we go. Now, how will God judge people who go to church? Raise your hand if you go to church. Good, you're all here. Even those that didn't raise your hand, you're still here. How will God judge people who go to church? Because God 
is impartial? The answer is the same answer you just got done writing down for a person that didn't have the Bible. Same answer. Judgment will be based upon the amount of God's revelation and God's wrath. It will be based upon the revelation that God gives you and God's wrath. Now, the average church in America, you would hope they get a message of revelation from God. But of course, that is changing in our society too, where people are not preaching the Bible. Uh, I've, I've heard stories of people coming to my church and they're so happy to open their Bible because they didn't do that in their last church. Pastor would get up, read a verse, talk about a poem, talk about three illustrations, and in 15 minutes be done with the sermon and never hear anything about the revelation of God. So, it's quite possible that a lot of people in our churches today are not hearing about God. So, their judgment is very similar to a person who never knows the law. But, if you go to a good biblical church, like Cumberland, you will hear the revelation of God every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, every single Sunday night, every time you come and the doors are open, you will hear the Word of God. You will hear the Word of God and you will know more about God than you came in before. You will know more. And God will judge you more because you know more. Now, in the context here, he's talking about a Gentile and a Jewish person. The Jewish person was given the Old Testament. The Jewish person had more than the Gentile person did. The Gentile person would be judged uh, differently, but he would still be condemned for his sin. The Jewish person would be condemned more intensely because he knew the Old Testament, and he still sinned. The Next step, of course, is Christians in churches today. They not only study the Old Testament, they also have the New Testament. So you know more, so your judgment will be even more, because you know more of the revelation of God, and the wrath of God still will affect you, because you still sin. Sinned. First time in the book of Romans it comes up, right here. Sin. To miss the mark. To do wrong in a matter. The noun comes up 48 times in the book of Romans. The verb comes up 7 times in the book of Romans. It will come up over and over and over again. We'll talk about sin. The Greek term implies acting against knowledge. Acting against knowledge. It's written in the aorist tense, so it seems to be a point where you make a decision either to follow the truth or to sin. When you decide, you will stay in that road of following the sin. And if you are coming to church today, you may learn more and you will be held accountable of more. 
Under the law, you will be judged by the law. Under the law, technically, is our first term for the law. It's found 74 times in the book of Romans. It comes up over and over again. He kept holding it until this verse. The Jew was to live within the domain of the law. He was considered himself saved because he had the law. Do you know what happens to some people? Some people think they're saved because they go to church. I met a person. He wanted to send his children to my church because he thought coming to my church, he would have his kids saved like him. They believe, some people, that because they have a Bible in their house, they may not remember where it is, but they know they have one in their house, they are saved. They think every Sunday they get it out and dust it off and take it to church with them, and that gives them bonus points with God. And they think they're saved. And if they go to the right church and they listen and hear more about the revelation of God, they just are getting under more judgment. They're getting under more judgment. Verse 13. For, connects it to the verse before, for it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For it is not the hearers of the law that will, who are just before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. How does a church-going person pass God's test? How does a church-going person pass God's test? Here you go. All people who listen to God's revelation, will not pass the test. All people who just listen to God's revelation will not pass God's test. Some people think they're saved because they listen to Christian music on the radio. Some people think they're saved because they listen to sermons on Sunday and on the radio. Some people think they're saved because they have a Bible in their house, because they send their kids to Sunday school, because they go to church. And they think they're saved. College students are like this. The word hearers here is not the normal word for listening. This is the word you get if you're going to college. College is a great thing. You pay to go and listen to sermons all week long. And then they give you a test. And they expect you to know what they've been listening and able to answer the questions on the test. In other words, it's basically being a disciple. And that's exactly the word that's used here. To be a hearer is somebody who goes with the expectation to learn. 
They go to hear. Can you imagine going to a college and then when the test comes out, not answering the questions on the test? How long would you stay in that college? Not long. Because you won't pass. But these listeners go to church. They hear sermons. They hear the Word of God. They hear great biblical preaching. But all they hear doesn't connect. Hearing, reading, studying is not what counts before God. It's obeying the law. The more a person hears truth, the more he's responsible for believing and obeying it. Unless there's obedience greater than the hearing, you will have greater judgment if there's no obedience. Who are just before God. That word just is a very interesting word. It's an adjective used seven times in Romans. talks about being righteous. talks about being righteous. Principle, God's word declares righteous those who have done the law. Obey the law. And we know, because we have the rest of the New Testament, we have one person who came to this earth and did everything the law commanded. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the only one that did the law. Here you go. I got a picture for you. See that rabbi? He's reading the Torah. He's reading the law. Now, question. Is he a believer? Is he saved? Yes or no? Who thinks so? Who thinks no? Who doesn't know? Okay, there you go. He can read the law all he wants. Reading the law does not save you. Reading the law does not save you. It's doing what the law says. It's doing what the law says. I have a pastor. He, he said this. It's great. He has a church in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, he was rebuking sermon listening as an escape. He says, don't listen to my sermon to escape the judgment of God. He said, quote, God wants transformation from listening into living. Living, listening into living. That's what God wants when you hear a sermon. God wants listening to transform in your life into living, to do what the Bible says. Okay, I'm going to blame the elders. The elders of this church want you to learn from the preaching 
of the Word of God. They want you to listen, but they want you to live. If all you're going to do is listen, there are other things better to do. Because the Bible says you're piling up judgment for yourself. I don't want to be responsible for making your life in the lake of fire more hotter. How does a church-going person pass God's test? How does a church-going person pass God's test? Second, only one person without a sin nature will pass God's test. Only one person without a sin nature will pass the test. The only person without a sin nature was born of a virgin. Jesus Christ. He's the only one capable. And he lived a perfect life. Don't believe anybody that says he's committed sins. One sin, he wouldn't be our redeemer. He is the only one to pass the test. The doers of the law, the word doer, This is the only time Paul uses this word in all his writings. Only time. He has to come up with an interesting word that points out what it is to do with the law. You're to do it. You're to do it. You're to do it. The moral sinner in that day, the Jewish person, thought he was saved because he had the law. He thought he was perfectly qualified for heaven because he had the law. The doers of the law will be justified. Justified, this is a great word. Justified means an action whereby people are given the status of being righteous in God's sight. Status of being righteous in God's sight. You're going to learn a lot about justification, just not from this verse. By this verse only, the only person that qualifies is Jesus Christ. It's talking about condemnation. Everyone is condemned because of this verse. Because nobody keeps the law perfectly. And that is exactly what God demanded. One sin. If you get somebody, if you're witnessing somebody, and you get them to admit to one sin, you got them. Because one sin is like breaking a pane of glass. One sin breaks it. My brother was preaching one time, he did this. I thought he was crazy for doing it. He brought up a pane of glass, and he put it on an easel. (laughs) And he he took the hammer, and with one swipe, he broke it, and the whole thing shattered into bits and pieces. Who knows what my deacons would do to me if I did that up here. Okay? One sin breaks your pane of glass. Jesus was the only one. Jesus was the only one. 
We'll learn more about justification. We'll learn so much about justification. Okay, here we go. The verse 12 and 13, everybody sins. The people without the Bible sin. The people with the Bible sin. We all sin. Everybody sins. I want to talk real quick about four things that happen to us because of this sin nature we have. You ready? This will be good. You'll like this. Worth the price of admission. Here you go. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Come on, keep on your, keep on your motor here. We're going to go fast. <clears throat> Don't let the battery die in your Palm Pilot. Here we go. We're going to go fast. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Well, how does a church-going person pass God's test? Verse 24. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to... What's the word? Christ. So that we may be justified by faith. The law is perfect and does its work, and it moves you from trying to figure out how you can be saved, because you can uh, be say, sin without the law, and you can sin with the law, and the sin doesn't help you, it seems like, but the Bible in Galatians says, the law moves you to the solution. Put it this way. <clears throat> the test will lead you to the answer. <laughs> The test will lead you to the answer. If you study the law, you'll find out that you're a sinner. That you need help. That you need something. And you will find out that the only answer to something is Jesus Christ. So the law, if you study it, it will send you to Jesus Christ as your only hope for being saved. Because he's the only one that can fulfill the law. He's the only one that can keep it. The purpose of the law is to lead you to Jesus Christ. The more you hear without obeying, the more you pile up guilt against yourself. Only Jesus, only from Jesus will the sinner find relief. Turn to Luke. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> Second, how does a church-going person pass God's test? How does the test help you? How does the law help you? Verse 46 in Luke chapter 6. 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say. How does a church-going person pass God's test? B, the test will lead you to obedience of a Lord. And if you find Jesus Christ, He'll be the Lord that you will obey. And you will obey that Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, do not do what I say? The test will lead you to obedience to the Lord. The correct biblical words will not save you. 
See that? <laughs> they, they thought saying, Lord, Lord, will save him. Oh, or we had the Torah. Or, hey, I used the King James Bible. Or, well, that's worse. Let's do this. I use the New American Standard Bible. No, I use the Greek New Testament and the Hebrew Old Testament. I'm better than everybody else. No. The correct words will not get you into heaven. Just like the correct Bible will not get you into heaven. Only those who do what he says. Verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them. I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock. When the floods occurred, the torment burst against the house and could not shake it because it was well built. The hear his words and act upon them. You have to act upon them. There has to be obedience that goes along with salvation. Salvation goes along with obedience. You have to have both of those. Obedience is done only through the power of the Holy Spirit to do what is right. The Holy Spirit makes you changed, makes you a changed person, changed heart, a changed relationship with God, a changed relationship with non-believers, changed relationship with believers. You are different because of the Holy Spirit's work. You know who your master is and you obey his voice. Third, turn to Romans chapter 16, a chapter we'll get to in a few days. Chapter 16. Chapter 16. It's always good to go to the end of the book. I had a friend. She would read a novel. She would start by reading the last chapter of a novel. And if she liked the last chapter, she'd read the whole book. Okay, here you go. The last chapter. Romans 16, verse 24. Verse 24. 1624. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him who was able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past. Kept secret for long ages past. Verse 26. But now is manifest by the scripture of the prophets, according to the command of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith. Third. C, the test will lead you to an obedient faith. An obedient faith. This is an interesting way it's written. There's going to be a time where the mystery is revealed. The mystery is revealed through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. The mystery has been revealed. So now you can have a way of salvation and you know what you're believing in. It's Jesus Christ who kept the law. And then it leads you to change, to have an obedience of faith. The Greek is very good. The Greek, you could translate to English, obedience of faith, that's one. You can go faith of obedience, two, or you can go obedience faith. Because you got two words that are connected in the Greek. Obedience and faith. I love it. If you tell me you have obedience, you have faith. If you tell me you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have obedience. If you have faith, there will be obedience. If you tell me you have faith, but no obedience, I don't believe you because your actions don't prove that you have faith. 
And you will be amazed how many times pastors hear people who claim they have faith and don't have the actions. Oh, but pastor, I love her. We only live together because it saves us money. <laughs> okay? Oh, pastor, uh, I, I, I love the girl I'm having an affair with. I want to get married and divorce my wife. <laughs> okay? No! You show it your obedience if you have faith. If you have faith, you have obedience. They're connected in this verse. You cannot have one without the other. Obedience, obedient faith proves. Here we go, D. Go to John. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Last one. Here we go. Home scratch. Here we go. Come on, let's go. John chapter 13. You're almost there. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. When you get to that chapter, drop down to verse 17. 17. John chapter 13, verse 17. This is the, this is the icing on the cake. You're going to like this. Here you go. Verse 17. If you know these things, okay, what do you have to know? Jesus Christ, right? If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. You are blessed if you do them. Again, it happens to me all the time. People come to me, say, well, I'm doing what God wants me to do. My God wanted me to leave my wife and leave my kids, I, and I'm, but I'm not happy. Well, of course you're not happy. You didn't do what Jesus said to do. God doesn't bless when you don't do what he says. Here we go, number four. The test will lead you to obedience and blessing. Obedience and blessing. Blessing. The daily obedience to the commands of the Word of God, you will know and be blessed by God. Are you blessed? Blessings come from God to believers that are obedient. Are you blessed by God? Oh my goodness. You should be able to show to me the 17 times this last week you were blessed by God. If you cannot think of one blessing from God, you and I have a serious talk ahead of us, and you won't like it. Because I will say something like, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then. Blessings come to those that are obedient. Blessings come to those who have faith and obedience. Those that have a master and they're obedient to that master. Those people will experience blessing. If you see everybody around you being blessed by God and you're not, that should give you a clue of what's going on. If you are obeying God with your heart and your actions, God will bless. Guaranteed. You can have the life of everyone that I love if God does not bless you when you do what God wants you to do. That's a sure bet. That's not even a gamble. God blesses 
when his children are obedient. Now, are you seeing obedience and faith and blessing in your life? Are you? Well, I warn my friends that they cannot do the good that God requires because you cannot do it. You cannot do the good that God requires. God requires perfect obedience. The only answer is faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I warn my friends that they cannot do the good that God requires and the only answer is faith in Jesus Christ. The passage clearly talks about in chapter 2 who will be judged and who's going to be judged is everybody who receives revelation from God. General revelation or specific revelation. You will be judged. The righteous who will be saved practice what God commands. All humanity is under sin. All humanity is under sin. Uh, I lived near a college. It literally was down the street. And the college had an association that met at noon on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And for an hour during lunchtime, we played basketball. We called it the NBA, the Noon Basketball Association. Okay? And we played for an hour, three times a week. And it was a good group of guys, and it seemed like always the same guys. We always had fun. We always messed around. And one time I was playing, and uh, um, we had a lawyer that came and played with us. And uh, he, uh, he was a good guy. He refereed basketball on the side, junior high games. Anyway, we were playing basketball one day at Noon Basketball Association, NBA, and as he was running down the court and as I was running next to him, he collapsed and fell down and started seizing. And uh, I was right there, so I stopped and tried to keep him from swallowing his tongue. And while I was trying to control him while he was seizing, one of the uh, girls that were in the stands watching us play came running out and said she knew CPR and she started CPR as I tried to control my friend. And the interesting thing is, if she went to CPR class and she just listened, but then sat in the stands while my friend collapsed on the basketball court, my friend would have died if she would have sat there. But the good thing was that she got out of the seat in the stands and came to the floor and did CPR on my friend. And we called the, the ambulance, and by the time they got there, we were busy doing the CPR, and we're, we got him controlled. He's no longer seizing. And we got him in the, in the ambulance and got him to the hospital. And he survived. 
And the doctor said he survived because of the CPR. If we did not do the CPR, he would have died. There are a lot of people you're going to meet this week that will be collapsed on the floor, spiritually speaking, right next to you. And they will be gasping for breath, their body will be shaking, and they will be so covered in sin they don't know which way is up, and they don't know anything but the wrath of God, because that's how they've lived their life. They've never had a day of joy. They've never had a day of peace. They've never had anything resembling a Christian life. Some of them may actually be here today coming to church. And they need CPR. Now, guess what I do for you each Sunday? And Sunday night and Wednesday night. I give you the methodology of CPR. You are trained. You are qualified. You have everything you need. And actually, more than I've given you. Because God has gifted you. So there are things you have I haven't even given you. And you are official, certified evangelists. So... Go and evangelize. When you see somebody shaking on the floor, realize, realize it's your job to give CPR. Do it however God's gifted you. Say whatever you got to say. And God will do a work. Because you know why? He blesses Obedient believers. Father God, I thank you for this time in your word. Pray, Father, that you would help all of us to be good evangelists this week. I pray, Father, that you would help us to understand divine appointments when you bring people into our lives for the express purpose because they are convulsing on the floor. Pray, Father, you give us a spiritual insight to see it. And then, Father, give us the spiritual words to say so that we can give the healing balm that comes from the gospel message to heal them, spiritually speaking. And I pray, Father, that this miracle would happen this week, that we this week, Father, will somehow share the good news somehow, some way, so that you could do a work and save a person from the lake of fire. Pray, Father, you be with us. Help us, God, Father, go out with a bounce in our step, that we are out with a task this week to save somebody from an eternity in the lake of fire. Because the only way is through faith in Jesus Christ. Help us, Father. Give us the words. Give us the actions. Give us everything we need to share the good news this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.